to see all of you. Our scripture lesson today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Hear now the words of our Lord. Again, you have heard it said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable unto you, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. We live in a world that likes to fabricate reality. People in Hollywood create fake realities and make millions of dollars as crowds flood to the movie theater to experience this fantasy for a while. The good folks always win, and the bad folks are always defeated. The people are always happy and beautiful, unless perhaps you might go to a scary movie and then you might not find them that way. <laughs> well, we want this in our own lives, don't we? And we're always the good characters in the story. To be a good person, we have to do a little fabrication of ourselves sometimes, don't we? Don't we sometimes bend the truth? Don't we sometimes cheat or exaggerate? Don't we sometimes fail to keep our promises or flatter for gain or betray confidence or make excuses? Or don't we sometimes tell half-truths and white lies? And we have to ask ourselves, is that okay? This morning we'll be discussing oaths. We have been, or as uh, some people on our staff, and I won't mention who, says oats, the oats of God. But we have been looking at the Sermon on the Mount Throughout this sermon series focusing on the Sermon of the Mount, we have seen how Jesus calls for his followers to be more righteous than the scribes or the Pharisees. Jesus tells us that as we focus on right living, we're helping to usher in and live in the kingdom of God here on earth now. Jesus has been critiquing the scribes and Pharisees' interpretation of the law Jesus has been trying to take us deeper into a deeper understanding of the law. The scribes and the Pharisees, they emphasize external obedience, but they overlook the internal obedience of the heart entirely. This is something that many of us can easily fall into. It's easy to talk about drunkenness, murder, adultery, and sexual immorality. But it's not so easy to talk about anger or lust or separation or lying because these are problems that we all struggle with or our loved ones struggle with. Well, notice what Jesus says in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. 
The scribes and the Pharisees have solid teaching. Don't square falsely. And we would agree with that. But the words connected are vital for us to understand the fullness of the teaching. He says, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. Notice that the emphasis is on carrying out the vows you have made to the Lord. And so where does this teaching come from? Like their teaching on divorce, this is a reading of the Old Testament. These men were taking texts like Leviticus 19 and coming up with a system of swearing. Leviticus 19.12 states, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And this text places emphasis on fulfilling our vows to the Lord or speaking a vow in the name of our Lord. The Old Testament condemns breaking any oath we have sworn to the Lord or in the Lord's name. So these teachers recognized that and made sure to teach the truth. Jesus comes onto the scene and brings up all kinds of oaths. He says not to swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem or even by our own head. Jesus is addressing people who would swear or take an oath using heaven, earth, Jerusalem, or even their own bodies to make an oath. The difference between these two types of oath-making was that if someone used God's name in this said oath, that oath was absolutely binding. However, if someone made an oath that didn't use God's name, the person felt quite free to break that oath. The idea behind this was that if God's name was used, God became a partner in the transaction. Whereas if God's name was not used, God didn't have anything to do with the transaction, and it might be okay to break the oath. The principle, however, which Jesus lays down is quite clear. In effect, Jesus is saying that so far from having to make God a partner in any transition, transaction, no one can keep God out of any transaction. <coughs> Excuse me. God is already present. The heaven is the throne of God, the earth is the footstool of God, and Jerusalem is the city of God. A person's head does not belong to the individual. He or she cannot even make a hair white or black. Our life is God's, and there is nothing in the world which does not belong to God. And therefore, whether or not God is actually named in many words, it doesn't matter. God is already there. The fact is that God does not need to be invited into a certain department of life and kept out of others. God is everywhere, all through life and every activity of life. God hears not only the words which are spoken in God's name, God hears all our words. And there cannot be any such thing as a form of words which evades bringing God into any transaction that we make. All promises are sacred, if we remember that all promises are made in the presence of God. And so Jesus is inviting us to learn that our word should be enough when we say yes 
and when we say no. Our character should make an oath completely unnecessary. Our guarantee and our witness should lie in who we are. We are to live with integrity. And so how do we do that? One of my mentors confessed in his memoirs a time when his ministry left him absolutely exhausted. So he went to a Catholic retreat center in upstate New York. And there he was going to have a whole week of no teaching, no preaching, no lecturing, no counseling, just solitude and quiet, reading the Bible, praying, and of course taking long walks and enjoying the beautiful nature around him. Well, the second day, a group of undergraduates from a local college found out that he was there and asked him to lead them in a retreat. And that was not his choice, according to the rules of the retreat center. Changing his activity required permission from the abbot or the director. Henry Nowen asked the director, do I have to do this? I don't want to do this. This is my time. I don't even care for undergraduates. I don't want to spend my time preparing to lead them. And the director of the retreat center asked Henry, are you following the rules I gave you? Are you praying five times a day as I told you to? Are you reading the assigned gospel each day? Are you reading the Psalms and reflecting on one each day? If so, you have enough in you to easily lead these students and not lose any of what you have for yourself. The question you see is not to prepare, but to live in a state of ongoing preparedness so that when someone who is drowning in the world comes into your world, you are ready to reach out and help. It may be four o'clock in the morning. It may be six o'clock. It may be nine o'clock at night. And you call it different things, teaching, counseling, parenting, administering. Let them be a part of your life in God. Well, I think that this is what Jesus is saying to us. Living a life in God, being always aware of God's presence, relieves us of the necessity of making extraordinary oaths. Some of you may have read the famous adventure trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, or perhaps you watch the series. Uh, my family, we watch the series every Christmas season. The other day I heard someone say on the news that they watch all three movies the same day, and I don't know how they do that, but I admire them for doing that. But when the nine companions are beginning their quest, one says they should take an oath never to turn back until they complete their task. Because, he says, in difficult times, a strong oath can strengthen a person's heart. Well, one of the other members of the group replies, or break it. Jesus recognized that we can only give what we have. If we have an awareness of God's presence, then our promise to do something or avoid something or become something is sufficient. Our oath for letting our yes be yes and our no be no is all we need. And not for us alone, 
For we are the temple of God, the living temple of the living God. As we individually live a life of integrity, neither over-promising what we know we can do, nor shrinking from following what Jesus calls us to do and to be, then the beauty of the Jerusalem temple pales in comparison to the life we lead and the life that we have together. And then there is no way our story will not be more wonderful than anything any movie or television show can suggest. And then when we as United Methodist Christians proclaim that we welcome everyone, the absolute truth of our yes will be clear and undeniable. And when we say no, as we do in our baptismal vow, to evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves, God's truth will be clearly seen in a world that so easily yields to each of those. I was very blessed with my mother-in-law. She was very beloved in the family. Well, Earlene had a wall hanging on her home, a plaque which said, God is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. God knows what we promise. God knows the decisions we make at home and at work, and God is present with us always. And so I ask you, are you making Jesus smile or are you making Jesus cry with how you live your life, with the words that you say, the decisions that you make, the actions that you take? Are you living with truth and honesty in all your dealings? Or are you fabricating words to give you an escape hatch from what should be a life of integrity and transparency? My hope and prayer for all of us is that we will follow Jesus so closely that our lives and all we say and do and are will be such that even the angels in heaven take delight and that our yes and our no will suffice and we will live in the kingdom of God now. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for calling us your children and for continuing to mold our lives into who you created us to be. We thank you that your grace is sufficient, that we will make mistakes, we will make promises that we can't keep, we will take actions that we perhaps should not take. And so we thank you, Lord, that when we recognize that and we confess that to you, you forgive us and you forgive us even before we ask. Your grace is sufficient. And so Lord, with everything that we do and with how we live our lives and with our total being, we do want to glorify you. We want to carry your light into the world around us. Help us to always remember that you are as close to us as the air we breathe in the light of our eyes. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.